Welcome to Pilots with Shmi and Riker. I'm Riker. And I'm Shmi. And we are just a couple of nerds who watch entirely too much TV and didn't want all that training and hard work and focus and practice to go to waste. So we made a podcast about it. Each week we watch and review the pilot episode of shows that made it to series on the merits of the pilot as a standalone episode and give it a pass or fail grade as successful or unsuccessful. A successful pilot is one that immediately leaves you wanting to come back for more. And an unsuccessful pilot, well, if you've ever tried to get a friend to binge one of your favorite shows but need to qualify it first with give it a few episodes before you're hooked, probably a good example of an unsuccessful pilot. We try to keep our scoring objective, so we analyze what makes a successful pilot and boiled it down to four essential criteria. Does it clearly establish the genre? How well does it introduce the main characters? Is the overarching plot clearly defined? And does it end with a hook that makes us want to come back for more? Now, our scoring might be objective, but we are not. After all, we are opinionated nerds bullshitting about our favorite TV shows and the shows that we love to hate. Maybe you agree with us. Maybe you think we're way off base. Turns out that discussion is exactly what we're here for. So please tell us all about it in the comments. This is Pilots. Welcome to Pilots, the podcast. Uh, we just watched and are about to start our review of Yellowstone, the Paramount, the Paramount Network original series. Uh, I had not heard of the Paramount Network before Yellowstone. It's a new network. Okay. I think it took over what was Spike TV, which used to be the new TNN, which used to be TNN. <laughs> So they've had a real struggle with that one. But uh, there's something about Paramount with that with that big mountain in their logo that just pairs really well, I think, with the themes and visuals of Yellowstone. So it just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And I think really launches the Paramount Network in a just properly. It just gives it a really nice, solid, proper launch. I don't know how long we're going to have the Paramount Network around. Uh, because, <laughs> Hard to say. <laughs> yeah, because of uh, its lineage. But uh, par- the Yellowstone is also on Peacock, uh, or at least the first two seasons, I think, are on Peacock. Uh, and what else? Anything else on that? Mm, I don't know. That's fine. That's enough trivia for the day. That's not what we specialize in here. Thank we goodness. specialize in unqualified judgment. Um, I love it. And in my judgment, (laughs) I think this pilot is so good. It is. It really is. For being in an hour and a half, I am normally not a big fan of long pilots, which actually having rewatched Firefly, the pilot or Firefly's pilot, Mm -hmm. that was the only issue I actually really had with it is that it's long. It's two parter that they did back to back. I don't think so. I think it's just a long one. Okay. Yeah. And I remember the war scene being much longer, which we'll get to that. Another day, oh, but um, used to be more spectacular in a different time. <laughs> I just don't like war scenes. Like, I'm just I'm I'm more moved by story, and so pew 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 does nothing for me. Yeah, occasionally just... a kick in the face does something, but <laughs> you know, or a kick in the chest from your horse. Some daredevil, yeah, yeah. So uh, when we start this, it's kind of a startling scene we come upon. Yeah, big 
beginning. I mean, I mean, talk about you don't care about the thrill of the war scene, for instance, not that that's what this is, but this cuts right after the dramatic thing that yeah, happens. It's the aftermath. Yeah. And introduces what just happened in a very dramatic sense. Uh, you want to take it? Sure. Uh, as a horse lover, this was painful for me. Um, our beginning scene is, I mean, you don't even fully see the horse. You just see a little bit of his face. But the sounds he is making, I'm like, okay, is there a cougar nearby? Some sort of a wolf maybe? Like there's just like this pained, grunting. Like it's, it was a horrible sound. It's not a sound I've ever heard a horse make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, you get the camera going down a bit and you see that, Horse is completely missing a leg. You see bone. You see everything. It's caught up in this car. Um, there was the an trailer. accident. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So you are introduced to John, John Dutton, mm-hmm. um, through this horrible accident where he's, you know, saying some kind words to this horse, which, you know, endeared me to him immediately because he has some compassion for the animals that are his. Um, and he puts the horse out of his misery, which is... Very true to what would happen in that situation. There's no salvaging a horse with a broken leg, especially that badly broken. Yeah. Oh, and then when he shoots him and puts him down, mm-hmm. the horse, which I assume is a horse prop of sorts, falls with such weight mm-hmm. that it really felt real. Like the oh, yeah. because he's holding him up just in the sense that he's kind of hugging him. You know, mm-hmm. he's kind of hugging the horse as he's as he's putting a bullet at him. Yeah. Um, I like what you said, though, that it shows compassion that immediately endears you to him. Because mm-hmm. I think even by the end of this episode, in some ways he's the hero. In some ways he's not the villain, but he's not. There, There's certain things that seem like the verdict is out, but seem like they might be irredeemable about him. Yeah, he certain seems ways to at least be the. Yeah, he seems to be the cause, at least, of some conflict in this story. Like, I find that there are at least two different conflicts I'm seeing. Three, yeah, main conflicts that I'm seeing in the pilot episode, and he is definitely one of those three. Uh, what are they? So I'm seeing. Um, first of all, you have the reservation, which is seeming seemingly they are having a cattle disputes, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm not sure if also land disputes, but I did catch at least the cattle dispute as that was you know pretty big part of this episode. I think the land dispute is over and also mm-hmm. has gone on and on and on. Yeah, right. So, and I did appreciate the line that uh, you know we're gonna buy it back with our own you know with yeah, our own I money. Yeah, I wrote that down on mm-hmm. my on my list of notable quotables um, <laughs> was. He says, uh, if they're not going to give the nation to us, mm-hmm. we'll, if not, they're not going to give it to us, we'll buy the nation back with their money as he looks out on the casino floor, being an mm-hmm. Indian chief, running an Indian casino. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the essence of the storyline, I feel, is, I mean, we're really, and there's a bunch of uh, little seeds little nuggets Mm -hmm. that are scattered throughout the episode of course this is the third time i've seen the pilot this first time i watched it i didn't give it enough attention i knew there was something magical happening in front of me but i was attached to my phone for some reason that's just how we are these days Mm -hmm. i was probably working or talking to a girl or something and uh (laughs) or playing candy crush who knows um so i saw it the first time didn't give it my full attention, watched it again, thought, okay, that was very good. Now I'm most of the way through season three. Context for our millions of listeners out there. Uh, 
You have not seen any of Yellowstone. None of it. I have seen most of Yellowstone. I stalled out on the last couple episodes just because life happens. And now that we've watched it, I know by the end of the night, I'll probably be caught up on the whole show. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's how good. Spoilers. We loved it. Yeah. So I want to hear your interpretation of the various conflicts that are going on. Sure. But on this one, uh, very much a modern cowboys and indians okay mm-hmm. and a, a bunch of a bunch of points that i want to remark on that that'll probably get through you know the length of our show mm-hmm. but a modern cowboy in indian tale uh such that it's almost like you uh you know you don't see a western like this and you don't no. see you don't see anything about the the native nation and i i have to say i gotta give this show a lot of credit uh, and i feel kind of embarrassed about this but I don't really realize what's going on in reservations. And I don't, I don't re- either. And I don't realize what's going on in, in you know, native communities. And you watch this show and, and you're, you're like, I look at John Dutton and it's like, yeah, man, it's your land. People want to take it. You know, the, I'm a big champion of property rights as a, <laughs> as a realtor. Um, but, but I'm, so I have this connection to him mm-hmm. and, you know, probably as a white guy in America and then I think, yeah, it's your land. And then, and then the uh, the Indian chief gives his his speeches throughout. And I keep he keeps hitting me with little like uh, truth bombs. And I think, oh well, that's a good point. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I don't necessarily blame John Dutton for this, but I can see how you're pissed about it. I can see how we sort of have an irreconcilable conflict here. So what I'm hearing is that we have a not even I won't call him a villain because that's that's right. a little too black like black and white um the adversary I guess of uh protagonist antagonist protagon- there you go there you go so you look at John as the protagonist and then they give us the Indian chief who says in when we first meet him chief uh, Thomas Rainwater yes chief Thomas Rainwater um I don't know that we get a try but I don't know that it matters I don't think so no uh and he says and I would think it would probably be good if we don't because it'll just represent, you know, any given tribe. Sure. Um, but he says uh, he was 18. They asked, somebody says something to him, the senator that he has in his office that he's kind of wooing for political purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, I was 18 years old before I knew I was an Indian. Uh, and he said his, he was adopted. And he was raised Mexican by Mexican parents who told him, oh, yeah, as a Mexican, you're going to experience racism. But as an Indian, you'll experience true hate or something. I forget the line. But he, he dumps all this on us. And, uh, and it's like, wow, we have a really compelling character right here. Like, we learn a lot about him right mm-hmm. there. Uh, and, it's and I'm compelled by his story, honestly. Like, time. I'm kind of rooting for him. Yeah, big time. And it's like, wow, that's something that I can't relate to at all and don't understand and think is really dynamic and interesting. Mm-hmm. So you look at John Dutton, who's clearly our... Our, uh, our hero. Yeah, clearly the hero of the show. Who's the, what do we call it? The audience surrogate. He's the guy mm-hmm. that introduces us to everything. Yeah. He's the man on top. Every time he shows up in any scene, he, he enters the scene other than with his kids, I guess. <laughs> he shows up as the man, like mm-hmm. the man in charge, where they're going to get to a conflict at the property line between the Indian reservation and his, you know, land. And he comes down in his helicopter and he pops out and says, what's he say? He says something like, uh, you guys made a real mess of this to mm-hmm. his son and, and the team of uh, livestock agents. Yes, Lee uh, specifically. Yeah, his son, his oldest son, Lee, who's kind of his his uh, second in command, right hand man. And golden boy. Golden boy. Uh, 
he says, you made a real mess of this. And Lee says, it was a mess before we got here. <laughs> and then, but all the conflict suddenly stops because now John Dutton's going to speak. Mm-hmm. So you get him, just like you said at the beginning, as soon as you meet him where he's putting the horse down mm-hmm. uh, and, and you see compassion from him first. Like the, Absolutely. In, the initial thing is he's a tough guy. He's the man in charge. Uh, he's a man of action the way he puts the horse down. So you know a fair, you know some things about him, about his character. And I don't mean his character he's playing, but about the man's character. And then you meet the chief, and this is the guy that's to be our adversary. It's like, damn, I don't necessarily I don't necessarily like him, but I don't necessarily like John Dutton either because yeah. he's, he's got a lot of, you know, ulterior motives. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of maliciousness in him, as does probably John Dutton. Not sure yet, based on the end of this episode. And yet you have this really compelling character. It's like, well, whoever that is, that's a fascinating person that has, you know, he got dealt a bag of rocks in life that yeah. would make somebody who's hard and different. Absolutely. Uh, I talked a lot, so I got excited because I love this pilot so much. But You're that good. was the first uh, storyline. We would say, we could say the Cowboys and Indians storyline. Yes. Uh, and what's number two? Number two is uh, the transplants are moving in, and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and grab my card that discusses. They kind of defined what a transplant is because they <laughs> refer to it multiple times. And uh, the son, which son is that? Casey. Um, Casey. Thank you. John Dutton's son, Casey. Yes, spelled in the weirdest way ever, which you wouldn't have known without subtitles, but (laughs) (laughs) I digress. Um, Transplant, he says it's a person who leaves a place to come to a new place, and then they try to make the new place just like the old one they left. Um, So basically, the yuppies are moving in. Uh, Subdivisions are coming in. They're trying to divert. Um, I guess they're not trying to divert. The river runs right through the subdivision or where it will be built. The development. and so the idea is that will be taking, diverting water away from their resources, their, you know, their crops. The ranch, their, the Yellowstone ranch, ranch John Dutton's ranch. Exactly. So I guess that's, that's conflict number two, the yuppies uh, or the yeah. transplants as they call them. But my family would have called them yuppies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and that one more thing on that scene when, mm-hmm. when he defines what a transplant is to his son, the little boy, Tate, Tate who is John Dutton's kid, who is half Indian. Uh, I say Indian because they say Indian in the show. I just but want to Native that. American, right? I well, know, I would every time. I had a friend, uh, Misty Upham was her name, and she was a actress in Hollywood, and she was actually making a name for herself. And she'd grown up on the reservation, and she was very clear about she preferred to be called Native. So I try to go with Native. Um, and she passed away a couple years ago. Sad thing. I watched the show, and I think, man, there would have been totally a part for her in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Uh, so anyway, in, in life, I use native. In the show, they say Indian a lot. And Tate, who I love Tate. Tate's mm-hmm. the most adorablest kid. When yes, his Casey's dad on. defines what a transplant is and says they try to make the new place just like the old place they left, he says, well, that don't make no sense. <laughs> I love that. It was so cute. <laughs> and another notable quotable while we're on Tate, uh, which was uh, when uh, Kevin Costner's character, John Dutton, is appealing to his son Casey, who's who's the one who kind of abandoned the ranch and abandoned the family, yeah, and is raising his uh, half native son on the reservation with his beautiful native wife Monica. She's great in She's, many ways, <laughs> uh, and uh, he when he is introduced to the his grandson, who he's met before, but he doesn't have a relationship with him, mm-hmm. so they're deciding that they will let the grandpa have a relationship with the grandson and we don't know what the family conflict is that drove Casey away. 
Yeah. And he says, you know how to ride a horse? To Tate. Mm-hmm. And Tate says, of course I do. I'm Indian. And he <laughs> says, well, today you're a cowboy. And he picks him up and puts him on the horse. And I thought, oh, there's so many things about that that are interesting to me. One, that he feels this connection to his lineage, mm-hmm. like Chief Rainwater said, he feels his heritage. And maybe there's an essence here of the kid feels his heritage, or maybe it's just something he's saying because he's grown up you know, on the reservation you know, as a native. And, uh, and yet he's got this, there's this duality in his character that he really is a, a cowboy and an Indian. And I don't know that I've ever seen that in an old Western or anything. And to see a modern Western of the cowboy Indian tale, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, how has society been blended? How have things changed? Who, like, who is this kid in the, in the makeup of, of this world that we're in, that he's both cowboy and Indian and going to be drawn into a conflict between you know, his tribe and his family for the, you know, cattle ranch conflict that we're having in this episode. Absolutely. Uh, and you said there was a third conflict. I mean, the, it seems to be the family conflict. Yes. So really, um, you know, whatever it was that drove Casey. And I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, you know, they were talking about the brothers were sitting, you know, talking um, about him leaving, you know, it's finally they're reunited after a couple of years. It sounds like that Casey hadn't seen Lee or his other brother named da, da, da. Lee and Jamie. Jamie Jamie's the you. lawyer. Jamie, the lawyer. OK, so, yeah, he had said, well, he told us all to leave, referring to John Dutton, their father. Um, he told us all to leave. You're just the only one who left. <laughs> <laughs> so he told me to leave. Yeah, he told us all to leave. You're just the only one who did. Yeah, I love so, that line. I wrote that down here. Too. I loved that a lot. Um, and so it, it definitely shows you that he's, you know, whatever it was, it's a conflict that he's kind of had with everyone. But, you know, this is the son who had a completely, you know, different point of view and just wasn't going to take it anymore. So I, I'd be interested to look further to see maybe what that conflict was that made him draw the line. A uh, couple things in that scene, too, because I forgot how much I loved that scene until we just resaw it. And I don't think I remembered it being from the pilot, in fact. Yeah. Um, but in that scene, the brothers go fishing on their horses in the river. The transplants pass them by on a boat. Grandpa, who's driving, is wearing a pink shirt. <laughs> and they seem to be looking at these Montana kids and, and uh, scoffing at them because they're unresponsive. And they say, hey, you catching anything? And they just troll on or drift on. And they were very annoying. They just cast a very yeah. annoying presence. And then they kind of, they light a fire and start cooking and camping out and eating the, the fish that mm-hmm. they caught. And uh, Casey, who's the dejected brother who, mm-hmm. you know, is on the reservation now, says to the oldest brother, he said, oh, like, what, what would it be like to be 38 years old and still living with his dad and working 150 hours a week running his business just trying to get a smidgen of his father's approval? Which is a pretty weighted, insulting, below-the-belt deep cut yeah. to deliver against your brother. And he throws something at him. And then Tate gets up and says, don't throw anything at my dad. And throws it back. Now, these are uncles. Throws who, a fish, yeah. Yeah, yeah throws his fish at him that he's eating <laughs> in the tinfoil. Throws it at, the, at his uncle, who he's probably not met this uncle I was under the impression of. Yeah, that's the impression I got as well. Yeah. And then he says, fucker. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and all the brothers start cracking up. And, uh, and his dad kind of consoles him and says, easy, buddy. It's okay. It's just brothers having a squabble. So there is some deep 
family conflict. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of conflict between the sister who we haven't started talking about yet and Jamie that we don't know anything about yet. You might even be wondering at this point in the show, do these guys hate each other or is this just a sibling rivalry? Because it seems pretty deep. But why you have these brothers just hanging out and he makes an, an, an insult against his brother Lee like that. And then everybody's laughing at how adorable the son is. And they all say, hey, we're just brothers having a conflict. And the brothers haven't seen each other in years. Yeah. So there's something about this family dynamic that you actually still take them as people that mm-hmm. are cool and likable. And they're just a family, kind of a unique lifestyle, but they're just a family like any other family. I feel like it's especially relatable because they're, it's the insulting each other is a kind of a love language almost. Yes. That they just, you know, that's how they bicker. You know, he specifically says, you know, we're just brothers arguing. Nobody here is mad. And so it's like, oh, yeah, no, totally. You just sling insults at each other. And that's kind of, you know, I love you, man. Right. Fuck you. <laughs> like, really? They have, uh, hurtful insults. And yeah. yeah, I've heard this one before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's <laughs> but I know it's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> there is some truth to it. Yeah. yeah. We, we make our choices. Absolutely. Let's slow it down a little bit our review and dial back and return to our structure so we don't get sure. too excited and, and miss it. Having reviewed the conflicts uh, that make up the plot of this episode. Sure. Uh, do you feel that the pilot successfully establishes the genre and conventions of the show? I do. Absolutely. I feel like it completely sets us up for the type of conflicts we'll be having. It does feel very Western. I feel like it's country life. I feel like that's, you know, country philosophies. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely feel like we really have a feel for it. It's a very romantic look, I think, at a ranching lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's maybe an old school lifestyle, old school sensibility that doesn't really exist anymore in a broad sense. I mean, not in our parts. And it looks like this is the extinction of it. I, I was going to say exactly that. He, and it's endangered where they are, too. And that's why John Dutton's grasping so hard to hang on to it when he's getting hit with conflicts from various he's got various adversaries right now he's got the developer i think his name was dan who just yes yeah straight out of california who says he says this isn't california this is montana mm-hmm. we can we could do whatever we want yeah I find that he was uh telling <laughs> i think he was telling them to build condos so they build up rather than out. Oh Isn't no, that, that was Jamie. That was, was the that? court scene. Okay, okay. Um, hold that thought because I'm gonna. That's sure. gonna inform something about the characters here momentarily. So the developer says, "This isn't California. This is Montana. We can do whatever we want," which communicates to me this is the Wild West. <laughs> Your rules don't apply here. And here you've got this industrious LA developer who's got some creepy line later that was super good. I mean, he gets creepy. But the, the line was, cities are the sunset of civilization. Cities are the sunsets of civilization. Because he's got his, his protege or his guy that works for him with him uh, saying, I just feel different out here. And he's saying, that's, that's your instinct. Like, that's your animal instinct. Like, as human beings, we're wanderers. Like, we are leaving the city and we're returning to our roots and we're going to make a city here. <laughs> and ruin it. <laughs> the definition of the transplant was? No. <laughs> right. So, right, exactly. Good call. So, he's so, the one. leader of the transplants, yeah, Dan he, Jenkins. Dan Jenkins. And he's the one who feels like a villain. Like, you got the Indian Yeah, he's chief, got the mustache and right, He's the twirly it. mustache <laughs> guy. Um, so, that's really of interest to me. But 
uh, he is directly going after John Dutton in sort of a modern battle. Mm. And then you have Thomas Rainwater, who's who's reigniting the fight that might have been cold for a couple of generations. I have a prediction. I don't know if it's true at all, but I feel like because I relate so strongly to whatever, tr- not relate, I feel for or I'm rooting for Chief Thomas Rainwater. and You're sympathetic. Sympathetic. To the character. Yes, and then you know, obviously John Dutton, we we more relate to being being the white man. Um, <laughs> um, I kind of wonder if they'll come together against this, you know, the yuppies. I feel like they're gonna set aside their difference and be like, we're preserving the same thing, you know, like we want to preserve this area. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, no, this no, is kind uh, of what I'm interested you're, in. You're actually kind of dead on. That's um, awesome. I think there's maybe even more to it than that because sure. well by season two it gets a, a little bit more even more convoluted than that but mm-hmm. but i think there's sort of a an uneasy respect that they develop for each other as adversaries and as to some degree honorable men right and, and i, I don't feel like they're fully that. honorable men there's certain no. places where they play way too loose with well they fight dirty they fight dirty but but they have a, I think they both feel that they have a mandate. Like they mm-hmm. are both ruthlessly to the bitter end defending the people that elected him. Uh, John Dutton Absolutely. says at some point when he's talking to the mayor, the uh, pretty gal that sits next to Senator. him. With the, no, no, it's actually the mayor. Oh, She's the one in the, okay. in the, uh, that we meet when Jamie is in the courtroom. I thought they were the same person. So I appreciate that. I just, oh no. Okay. Yeah. The other, the senator is, well, she's just a different person, but the uh, okay. the mayor is uh, like local. Mm-hmm. Like grew up in Montana. Grew up in this town that the Duttons founded. Yeah, uh, thirty miles out of Bozeman. And that makes a lot more sense to me. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So she is. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't even put that together. That Rainwater has his politician, mm-hmm. a senator that he's putting in his back pocket, and John Dutton has his politician, the mayor, who's in his front pocket his front pocket yeah i was gonna say it seemed like there was a little romantic Just something something pants. going on. Mm, yeah yeah okay <laughs> straight to it then <laughs> um so anyway uh the genre of the show was the question that we were grappling with i yes. think very much it it uh on one hand it's those all those things we just said and mm-hmm. it's also Seems to be kind of a soap opera with the family part of it. I would say so, yeah. Like a, a bit of a drama. Right. So it's a Western drama. Mm-hmm. A mm. modern Western drama. Right. <laughs> so where I asked you to hold off for one second when we were talking about Jamie in the courtroom, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I bet you didn't notice this because you don't know who the characters were at the time. Yeah, I was really trying to get context immediately. I'm like, shit, who, how many names from this am I going to need to right. memorize? <laughs> so... Uh, the episode begins with John Dutton, as we've discussed. We are mm-hmm. introduced to John Dutton. Intro happens. Uh, I think it's a really interesting, well put together intro that gives oh, you a yeah. lot of elements of the show in terms of motif and thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, the really haunting score that I noticed that they use a lot through the episode, which I thought was. Is it what they use in their theme or no? Is that totally separate? Yeah, the theme is... The intro. Yeah, yes, exactly. Which I thought was very interesting that their pilot had a full-on intro. Is it Was it released to streaming specifically in a whole ep- whole season at a time? Or is that just they No, they're playing the it weekly on Paramount Network. And then I buy it on iTunes. I'm always bummed when the, the uh, pilot doesn't have the theme. You know, the, the intro. Yeah. 
like last week we did New Girl and the original intro is different. Yeah. Right? It's like the like the sample intro or or they shoot it like it's gonna be a made for T V movie, so there isn't really a proper intro. Yeah. I really wanted that who's that girl? It's Jess. <laughs> <laughs> like I really wanted it. <laughs> I really wanted it. Yeah, it doesn't feel well it's with the pilot's weird because it doesn't always feel at home. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So so second, back to the score. Yeah, sorry. after no, after the intro, we get introduced to Jamie. He's the first son that we're introduced to because mm-hmm. he's fighting for the ranch. Uh, and we get so much. Actually, we get so many little nuanced things that if, if I hadn't seen the show before, I, I would, well, I did miss them. And now I'm realizing how many things that the storytellers laid out there for us. When we open up and uh, John looks back and, and sort of assesses the wreckage that just happened in this major accident that he was just in that we didn't see and goes, there's a guy who died who was moving, I think, like a manufactured home. He was moving, moving something. something big. Um, and he he pulls out a, a card that has Paradise Valley on it, which is the name of the development that mm-hmm. is coming in, that is imposing on his way of life. Uh, and then we go to, wait a second, let me look at my notes here. Is there something I missed? Uh, oh, and he talks to his cattle. We know he's a cattle rancher. Boom, we're introduced to Jamie after the credits, and he is fighting for the ranch that they want to do eminent domain. It's a big word. Yeah, a, I actually wondered on what grounds they felt like they could use eminent domain. I guess maybe I have a different understanding of when that can be used. No, they didn't have the grounds. That's why the mayor just dismissed it out of hand. She said, you have not established a need for this at all. You just established a desire, a desire for it. Yeah. You think it's unfair that this guy has too many acres and you think you should just be entitled to him and you're not. And he says, uh, John Dutton and his family and his clan are getting in the way of growth. This is the opposing council are getting are opposing growth uh, to our city. Bozeman's blowing up and and we're shrinking. She says, "Well, that doesn't really apply here because the Duttons founded the town." Absolutely. Yeah, so we know a lot more here. Jamie gets really snarky with when he says, "Well, he says we just went thirty thousand acres. I believe the number was thirty thousand. Thirty thousand acres, which is only a fraction of the ranch." And the answer is, of course, absolutely not. My father will part with none of it. And, and it's ridiculous you even ask, why don't you build Skyrise condos there, dickhead? Yeah. Who wants to live in a townhouse and in, in, yeah. in a condo in, in Montana? Montana. <laughs> it was like, nobody cares. Well, so, and then also he had brought up, well, you know, we could cut down the, 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 lumber, the lumber there um, before and he could sell the lumber you know, so that way it's not just totally robbing him of the land. And he's right. like, yeah, he would he want to do that even less. So like, right. you clearly do not know John Dutton. That is not his MO. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You are not getting it and you're going to lose. We established later that the mayor was always going to have dismissed that and that uh, Jamie is a cog in the machine. Mm-hmm. That's his role that John Dutton sets him up for. He, She says to him, oh, we got to get him in politics. I don't want him to be a politician. John, he already is a politician, but he's <laughs> yeah. a, uh, and he says, yeah, with a constituency of one. In other words, I have complete control over him. He is exactly what I manufactured him to be, and I don't want to change that. Which, by the way, is really weird for as much criticism as he gives Jamie. Like, he is definitely the opposite of the golden boy. He's, like, too soft for his father. Well, uh, this is an interesting thing that you wouldn't know at this point, but... Sure. Uh, and this is, of course, not a true pilot, probably in the sense that I, I mean, like I don't know if the show just went to series, if they ordered, if they had all the scripts completed or, or whatever, or if they said, give us the pilot first. Sure. I'm kind of under the impression that 
the show got ordered a series. It's a and it's a western epic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's beautiful. This is a really, really is. beautiful show. The size of it, the scope of it, and it's so it's so Kevin Costner. And I've always loved Kevin Costner, but he's so Americana. Like he just seems to love to put his name on things that he gets to ride a horse and look like a tough guy and and be a no man kidding. of few words. You know, uh, I even think of the Postman. Uh, that he was in that was kind of I remember the first time I saw him that I really knew who he was when I was like eight years old and and there's Dances with Wolves I and mean, there's another one Dances with Wolves is the the main thing I would recognize him from which right. is like the original Cowboys and Indians no <laughs> yeah right yeah the original um, Waterworld that great uh, epic classic Waterworld I can't tell if you're joking. I know I'm it's something. Okay, I'm like, I know that we had the VHS. I don't, I never Oh, you did it. too? We did too. <laughs> I actually liked that movie, but I was a kid and I understand it wasn't good. But, you know, the ride at Universal is awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Probably better than the movie. Anyway, <laughs> they, they, uh, it was a big flop. You get it? Flop like a fish because he was half fish. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Um, what, what you're not going to appreciate at this point is the the characters, they all, even by season three, even with some of the growth that's happened by season three, or a lot of growth that's happened by season three, um, the 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 voices all still f- still feel authentic to the characters. They still feel like themselves. Like, you took these people. There's a backstory here. Like, they kind of knew where this story was going, and I really appreciate the work there because there's layers of stuff that, like, come up later. When when uh, I think Casey asks if Beth, the daughter, we haven't really gotten into Beth yet, like, you want to come riding with us? And she says, you know, I don't go near those fucking things about the horses. That's a... I liked her until that moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you're going to appreciate it later on in the show because there's a lot behind that. So, okay. I mean, there's a lot in that statement yeah. that you would know at this point that we just peeled back one of the many layers. Mm-hmm. There's her and, and rip who you don't really get to meet rip in this episode. Yeah. He's very minor in this, but I have a feeling that he's going to play a much bigger You're gonna role. You're going to love him. Probably. He's a really compelling character. He's one of my favorite characters. He's probably, I think he's kind of everybody's like secret favorite. Yeah. That they just love to love him, even though they should want to hate him, but he's just such an all around compelling guy. Anyway, let me get on track here. So sure. we meet Jamie, uh, then we meet Casey. Uh, let's let me get specific in a minute. I just want to make this point. We meet John. We meet Jamie. We meet Casey. We meet Beth. All in that order. So every one of the main siblings or children of the Dutton family is introduced, except for Lee. He doesn't get his own scene, and Lee, of course, dies by the end of the episode. All of our main Dutton family characters are introduced in the first four scenes boom 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 before we you know go on to another storyline so they laid out all of our characters that we need to really pay close attention to mm-hmm. very quickly and very concisely because we go into and casey next who's rounding up a stallion the guys hired him from the yellow pages and said i don't know says in his ad that he's really good with problem horses so he's this roguish type guy uh and then we go like he's a stallion himself um, or a, uh, what do we call it? A, uh, Mustang. a Mustang himself. 
Yeah, Stallion right. is an ungelded horse, so he What's, still has his. It's a male horse that can still procreate. I had a feeling. <laughs> Whoops. Gelding is now one I feel that's embarrassed. That no, that on always, record I said that. It always gets confused. <laughs> I always pay very close attention to anything that has horses because they often use the word stallion when they mean Mustang, which ah. Mustang is a wild horse. Stallion is. You know, it's it's got all its junk. Yeah, in this case, it's probably a little bit of both. Absolutely. Probably a lot of both. It is both, and yeah. they did refer to both, and I was very careful. Like, I'm like, mm, do I trust you with your horse trims? Okay, you seem to you seem to be okay you on guys this. Are, Proceed, please. Thank you for being there to catch me on that <laughs> sure. one. Sure. So we get Casey, then we get Beth, who is a venture capitalist, soul-eating hatchet man. That's what I wrote down here. Soul-eating hatchet. Okay, so she's a venture capitalist. I wasn't sure what she did. I was like, banking maybe? Like, I couldn't. I she like works for guys with a lot of money that lot of buy money. stuff. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And she wears the pants she's in everything, it seems Miss like. Romney. Yeah, she's a tough guy. Oh, she yeah. Is a t- she is her father's daughter. Absolutely. She drinks blood for breakfast. I imagine her father, like it doesn't really show too much, but I, I imagine that her father is rather proud of her. Uh, I, think that, I think it comes off in the relationship that she is one that he trusts implicitly, not that they're without conflict. Sure. But he trusts her implicitly. Uh, she has his ear for sure. Uh, and that she's his secret weapon. Because she says somewhere toward the end to Jamie, or no, when in the middle when he's saying, why are you here? She says, well, why am I always here? To fix something that you couldn't. <laughs> and I was like, okay, secret weapon. She eats. Uh, she ate Craig's balls for breakfast the day before. Uh, Craig was the guy with. She said, "We're gonna restructure your company." He calls her a bitch, and she says, "You want to find a more appropriate thing to say to me?" Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so she just gets what she wants, and she just she just takes it. So I want to call out that it's Brie from Grace and Frankie. No, Brienne or whatever her name is, Grace and Frankie. Incorrect. No, that's no. not her. No, it's not. Oh my god, she looks just like her and has the same attitude. She's <laughs> no, yeah, not at all. She's a this is a British actress. Okay, which bothers me a little Crazy. bit. Crazy, not her, not that she's British, but I can tell she's British, and she doesn't sound like she sounds like somebody to me who's British mm-hmm. doing an American accent. That's okay, not so it's a perfect very accent. Inauthentic. Yeah, and it and when I first was introduced to her, it bothered me, and I thought, you know, it's so important that she's from Montana. It it's is. so essential to the plot that she's from Montana, and I'm unconvinced by it. However, as the show goes on, I like the character so much, and I actually like her portrayal of the character so much. And even though I still have that complaint, and I still think it's a valid complaint, I'm well over it because she's just like a bright spot in the show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she has the same cadence as Brie from Grace and Frankie, and I definitely, yes. the entire time, I'm like, man, I'd hate your bangs, but I, I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, different person. Y'all look the same to me, I guess. Uh, Brie from Grace and Frankie. Is it Brie? It's Brienne, but they they call her Brie. Okay. Um, I, I guess know. you would know. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, call her Shmi. Yeah. So, yeah, she's a great, I love her in Grace and Frankie. Yeah. But great. she's a lot more funny, I think. Yes. This actress, whether she's got this darkness in her for real or she conveys the darkness, mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine that, not to insult the actress, that actress that I know from that character fitting into this. 
I totally Bro. disagree because I thought well, that her sassy because she's kind of you're right. no, she's I'm kind of a it. bitch in Grace and Frankie and like she just has like these witty one-liners and she's the career woman who's really smart and yeah, has her act together. Yeah, I think she's going to be a big star actually. I mean, not that she's yeah. not well on her way, but I think I think she's going to be with us for a long, long time and she will star in many a thing. You're right. She would have been an interesting person in that role because she could deliver the the jabs that Beth delivers. Yeah, I kept writing down like her one-liners, and they're really good. The guy that um, like tries to pick her up at the bar, Ted something rather, probably oh. unimportant. She goes, soft fuck, "You Ted. look like a soft fuck, Ted. All you city boys do." And I was like, "Yeah, get him, girl. City slickers. <laughs> yuppie transplant. <laughs> yuppie transplant." <laughs> so he's trying to put the moves on her by sizing her up, saying, "Am I close? Do you feel close, Ted?" Like he's, don't tell me like you're here. You're a local girl. Cause she told him she's local. Mm-hmm. You don't dress local. Is it this? No, I'll bet you're here for this. And of course he's way off. Way, way off. Cause she's got, she's leagues out of his class, uh-huh. right? The stuff that she's dealing with in a she's day. She's not dressing up. This is her everyday wear, right. dude. You're out. No, you're out of your league. <laughs> and he says to her, um, oh, she says to him, she says, now let me try. You're in real estate or something equally unimportant you have wife probably a couple kids you're out here for a for a guy's weekend and you know you're not really fishing you're here to find a woman to hook you're here up to hunt you're here yeah. To, ch- to yeah you're you're hunting um and uh and his response the and he she so nailed it that he's so feeble here like well what's wrong with me it's like who are you to judge me ain't judging you buddy <laughs> I'm like, hunting too. <laughs> yeah, I'm hunting too, just not hunting you. He <laughs> says, Well, that. what's wrong with me? She says, You look like a real soft fuck, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that she's straight with him. Like, city boys don't do it for me. I need some guy who's, you know, can hold his own. Thanks for playing, buddy. <laughs> it was like, I respect the effort. You're pathetic and it's amateur hour, but, you know, keep working on it, pal. Yeah, thanks for playing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, and then she's, she also sleeps with, and it seems like a recurring thing, maybe, um, man, she says you always, you ruin it every time. Cause he wants to ask her out on a date and yeah. she shoves his face away. Yeah. Name of this man, please. His Rip. name is Rip. That's right. Rip. And she goes, I always remember your big bing digger. And she's like, I guess that's the nostalgic in me. I'm like, God damn, you're so mean. It's <laughs> <is> so horrible. <laughs> I know. It's like she, it seems like she has intimacy issues. So whatever oh, it yeah. is, it's just like, mm, whatever you just said, I can't deal with it. I'm going to hurl a whole lot of insults at you that may be totally unfounded and just walk off. I would say to you, and I'll, I'll leave it here because this is pilots, mm-hmm. not series is um, <laughs> next next series let's come up with a better name <laughs> uh, i would i would bet you that the growth not the growth but the more we see of yeah well, you could say the growth too the that dynamic between those two characters is enough for you to want to keep watching the show oh uh, absolutely and i would have to say take my word for it Trust me, and I don't say that lightly, <laughs> but I would recommend, if for nothing else, that you continue watching the show for these two, which is why it's so disappointing you don't get any rip in this episode, because yeah. he's a very strong He's very lightly character. sprinkled in, because the only other time that we really deal with him ah, yes. is 
our introduction to Jimmy, which actually does happen much later on. But what I know of Jimmy, uh, first of all, he does not feel in place. He is wearing a hoodie. He does not look to dress apart. I don't think he's ever owned a Carhartt in his life. <laughs> yeah, he's um, a Jesse Pinkman. He is, yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed Rip's line, uh, you do all right in prison, you have the lips for it, which was like <laughs> super vulgar and something you would expect from them country folk. <laughs> like, it's like, mm, that's crass, but yeah, <laughs> I get it. He's soft. Yeah, he's soft. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I wrote some notes on it. Sure. Uh, Rip brands Jimmy. So we're this is where we're yeah. introduced to the I Yellowstone brand. it was just a brand. threat, too. I yeah. was not expecting he was actually going to follow through with this. I thought it's a, you do this or, not a, hey, we're taking ownership of you, basically. Right. Well, we're set up for this earlier, and it's hard to catch because we don't know who Jimmy is, so it means mm-hmm. absolutely nothing to us. Sure. Um, so it's like blinking, you miss it. Oh, yeah, no. If you had not pointed, paused and pointed mm-hmm. it out, I would have been like, yeah, what? This is a long-form story, I mean, this is long form storytelling for sure, because there's certain thing. things. Yeah, there's certain things that you kind of like you need. It's worth a watch back, honestly. Like there's so many little things that that they sprinkle through this that I missed because I didn't know to look for it. Like they told us so much about the show that's coming. There are so many good lines. Like there are so many. So deep, many deep lines. I wrote so many quotes down. I have so all these, many. I have all these highlights and I went through like, okay, we, we got to go through all these lines. And you know, I think we might even end this episode before we end this episode, like just read the lines and associate it. So we don't miss any yeah. to the moment. So we don't miss anything. <laughs> Absolutely. But, Make sure that they all get a shout out. Right. But the initial, the pre introduction to Jimmy, uh, John Dutton is at the, Oh, he's at a horse show. What's he at? He's not at our, Rodeo, because they said nobody cares about rodeo. It was a horse auction? It was an auction? Oh, that's right. That's why he holds the thing. Which, by the way, can I just say, it is super weird that they did the national anthem before an auction. Like, that's something you would expect from a rodeo. I have have been to horse auctions, okay? Many a horse auction. In Montana? I mean, no, I'm not going to reveal a state where I've been to many of them, but it be my home state, and a lot of them I have been to, they have never done that. It is not at all that. <laughs> it is not that kind of a proceeding. <laughs> yeah, it's not a show. It's not an event. It's not. Exactly. It's not and it actually felt really out of place that they did it because, you know, the country folk don't really need the extra frivolous crap. Like, to me, that, that's... We're here they, to buy horses. I mean, they specifically said, no no rodeos in Bozeman. We don't need that shit. So, for them to pull some rodeo crap like that, it's just like, mm, this feels a little out of place. I felt like it was one inconsistency. It felt Minor. rodeo-ish mm-hmm. because I thought back and thought, no, it felt like a rodeo. Because in season two, they talk about the rodeo, but it's not necessarily in that town. Could have been in Bozeman. Um, so we meet a guy there who's Jimmy's, I assume, dad. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says, Mr. Dutton, uh, John, I I, uh, I heard that you're, uh, you're hiring... <laughs> And he says, cowboys, not criminals. And he says, there's nothing I could do for him. Like, I can't fix him. Only you can. Like, personal favor for me. Will you please take Jimmy in? And he says, basically, whatever he says. Basically, I'll have Rip go pay him a visit. He goes, thank you so much, John. Um, so by the time we meet Jimmy and Rip is busting the door down and ties him to a chair and then yeah. lighting the cattle brand on fire. And Jimmy has no idea who Rip is. And Rip says, you got two choices, buddy. You're going to go to prison. I'm not sure exactly what for, so he must sort of be just a known delinquent. Yeah, he's the type. Right. He says, <laughs> I'm going to take you to prison, or you're going to come work at the 
going to come work for us. And he reveals the brand, which he has on the fire right now. And Jimmy, I didn't catch this before, says, wait a second, the Yellowstone brand, Yellowstone Ranch. And he is compelled by the idea that John Dutton, quotey fingers, gives a shit about him. He says, why would John Dutton give a shit about me? And uh, I think that's when he reveals his brand, Rip does, on his chest. And he says, he doesn't, but he will. In other words, you're going to be part of the... The brand. Oh yeah, you're yeah you're gonna be part of the brand now. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And and he's willing. I mean, he's like he's really. He was a, he was a willing participant in that. Like there's some kind of opportunity here that he's compelled to accept. That was horrible to watch. There's no way I could do that without screaming. Like I won't even get a tattoo yet because I know that I'm gonna scream. And mm-hmm. most tattoo parlors that I've been into say no crying allowed. <laughs> and I'm like. Mm. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> I will ball like a baby, and if it's not permitted, I ain't doing it. Well, they're just not going to make any accommodations for you, I think, that's the deal. Um, well, all you want. <laughs> Nothing's stopping. <laughs> Nothing's changing. That's fair. <laughs> Cost is the same. So Jimmy is really goes on to be a great character. And the sure. actor, I really dig the actor. He, uh, with some of the other guys that we barely met or have not yet met, uh, who are the Cowboys, working on the ranch in the bunkhouse, the bunkhouse boys, uh, which will be relevant to you later. Jimmy, yeah, that meant nothing to me. This yeah, time. no, it's, it's significant in the show, but they have yeah. a after show special thing that they do where they kind of review the episodes. And this guy, I can't remember. I don't know the actor's name or I can't remember who plays Jimmy. He's just all around really likable. I really appreciate his performance as Jimmy and his arc in the show is, is worthwhile he's just a character that you come to really uh appreciate but his initial exposure to the ranch just he's just ready to get his ass kicked right like they're uh, when they're setting the the dynamite to move the river to create the explosion that (laughs) relocates the river and he's saying uh i thought i wasn't going to be a criminal anymore like i thought this was going to keep me out of trouble so shut the fuck up jimmy quit looking at the trout get back here to work Yeah, getting in trouble is the only skill you've got. (laughs) Yeah. He says, now you don't need to worry about getting caught. In other words, we got all the power here, so just shut up and do as you're told. It's (laughs) like, oh, great. criminal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the quit looking at the fish was hilarious because it's- I saw a trout. Yeah. Did you? Was it in the river? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, quit gawking, you know? (laughs) Oh, you know why they did that? I just realized to- demonstrate we are here We're laying the winter- dynamite by the river I didn't get because that. logistically otherwise you have no idea what they're doing there like they're just randomly laying dynamite and when you look at the dynamite like you just i don't know they don't really show the river once they're laying the dynamite right. so absolutely the context is necessary mm-hmm. and it was a very clever piece of exposition totally uh miss it until now and yeah that was that was that's how uh, you know it's good yeah no it was brilliant <laughs> it was like the the brevity with which the exposition was exposed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So I think I would say between talking about developer Dan, uh, Chief Thomas Rainwater, we hit the mayor, we hit the senator, who seem to be fairly minor roles at this point. Uh, even got Jimmy and Rip in there. Most importantly, uh, the siblings. Yeah. I slash feel the like- Dutton kids. Um, yeah, we have the three, Lee, who's kind of the golden child, Jamie, who seems a little too soft, according to his dad, like his dad just seems to 
maybe not disapprove, but he is highly critical of him. And I'm not sure if it's just, you know, keep you under my thumb because, <laughs> you know, he's you need a to black sheep. Thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and so and then you have um, Casey, who completely just does not align with his father's values at all. And in fact, was helping in the cattle dispute. He was kind of on the wrong side of it. And yeah, I he, think kind of responsible for Lee's death, like him causing the extra totally. issue made him at least somewhat culpable for, you know, definitely Lee's death. because he, okay. So this is actually a critical point. I don't know how specific we got about it. Sure. That the, uh, somebody cut the brand new razor wire to mm-hmm. get the cattle from Dutton side to the reservation side. Once it's on reservation land, it's reservation property. That's all there is to it. He says, that has my brand and you're sealing my cattle. Uh, they're very specific in in establishing how he views his being a cattleman. Because he asks his son, Lee, he says, what do you see? They give birth to a, a, baby, a baby calf. Yeah. And uh, he says, what do you see when you look at that? And they have this kind of cool moment. And it just seems like that's the moment. Like, okay, they were arguing about something before. Uh, when he says to him, what's the argument that they had in the car? Uh, and he says, oh, yeah, I wrote it down. He says, you're, he says, you're not, he says, I'm running the ranch. He says, you're not running it. You're working it. You got to, you're 38 years old and you still haven't learned the difference. So then they give birth to this baby cow because they got the, the mama cow who's struggling with it. Yeah. And. Yeah, oh, this thing out, and he runs away. Yeah, could you imagine giving birth to hooves? It, yeah, oh, God. that They actually had, like, a visceral reaction of that, and he's, like, yanking it out. I'm like, oh, yeah. you poor thing. <laughs> no kidding. So, comes out all slimy, as it would. And immediately walks, like, I don't know. I've seen, Runs like, off. <laughs> yeah, runs off. I'm like, okay, mm, I've seen at least videos of horses on their first steps. I imagine a cow would be no different, <laughs> but whatever. For for the sake of this, they ran off into the sunset, whatever. Well, like moms and TV shows always give birth to eight-month-old babies, you know? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Certain things. just Logistical issues. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, he says to his son, Lee, he says, what do you look at when you see that mm-hmm. baby calf? I guess right. I should just say calf, right? Yeah. Uh, and he says, I see a life that I need to protect and feed until it's able to feed me. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, that's how a cowboy should look at it. But a cattleman looks at it as a $300 investment that in seven months time will yield 1200 bucks or whatever it was, $2,000. 1100 but that's fine. Is that what it was? You wrote <laughs> yeah. it down? I didn't write it down. I just made note of it like, oh, okay. mentally. Uh, so, so that's, I mean, you just learn the whole business right there that in the lifetime of this thing that we have it, uh, and he says, whether it feeds anybody or not. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that established a lot in the sun says, well, I, I, uh, wish I saw it differently, dad. And he says, yeah, you can only see it the way you see it. And I thought there was just a lot in that. Like there was a lot in that and it was told dramatically and it was told the way that catches our attention yeah. and, and tells us a lot about his the way he looks at his life and his business and his purpose. Yeah, that um, the father's a bit more businesslike. And I feel like Lee was a little bit more romantic about the cattle. 100%. So, yeah, you've got the businessman versus the cowboy. Yeah. But take Casey, who is like a classic cowboy. And he's Uh a a roguish guy. And really, the way you put it, I, I don't necessarily agree with and I don't 
I'm not I'm not holding you to it exactly, but no, I think you'll uh, I think you'll understand (laughs) what I'm saying. But it's not that he totally rejects his dad's way of life Mm -hmm. or his values. Like there's there's very much. They seem to have a lot in common, but he's just he's like the unbroken horse, which is what he's talking about. There's this Mm -hmm. theme with the unbroken horse where he says, you got to break that horse's spirit and he'll serve you better. And he says he'll serve me just fine with the spirit. He says, yeah, I hope you prove me wrong. That's how I look at it as a young man also. Um, and he's sort of the unbroken horse or the horse that can't be broken in a way that I think his dad sort of appreciates and admires. He just wonders why is it that for all your headstrongness, you have to battle me like you actually your actions. He doesn't know this, but your actions resulted in the theft of my cattle. It resulted in the death of your brother. Mm-hmm. You actually by the end in defense, I would say, well, to a degree, killed his wife's brother, Monica. He kills his brother. Her brother. That felt like self-defense, but yes. It was self-defense other than before he pulls the trigger, he says, hey, in case you didn't already know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Heaven's not real. Hang on, let me look at it. That's, that's a big, absolutely. That's a big line. Oh, uh, in case you didn't already know, there's no such thing as heaven before he kills his wife's brother. Yeah, so it was a deliberate and he didn't have to. He had already shot him, but it's like, hey... I mean, it, it was definitely a vengeance moment. It was like, hey, you killed my brother. I know, like, I've, I've checked his, yeah, I've checked his vitals. He is dead. Fuck you. <laughs> Prepare <Yeah>. to die. Because <laughs> it was fully self-defense. And then there was that line that makes you think, well, wait a second. I don't think you're going to be rushing home to Monica to tell her what happened here. That's and we, true. We also know that he was, did we establish he was Navy, Marine, Special no, Forces? No, not yet. But he had two silver medals. And I'm looking at the wrong card. Like it's going to do something. Two silver stars and a Navy cross. And a Navy cross. That's the one. And then the guy say, well, what do you got to do to get a silver silver star? That's mm-hmm. what it was. I, I mean, thought it was metal, but yeah. You could be right. Yeah, well, it was his medals, uh, yeah. and uh, and he said the one of the native guys that they're hanging out with his, at the reservation, family member, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, he says you gotta kill a man. kill somebody for that, and he says that's the Navy Cross. I can't even tell you what I did for that. Yeah. So you got a guy here who's a trained killer. Absolutely. And it could have something to do with his his uh, psyche at the moment and mm-hmm. why he sort of rejected much of his upbringing and chosen to be here with his wife and her family on the reservation. Yeah. However, because grandpa, Monica's grandpa has a great, great line until they find a cure for human nature. A man must stand with his people and we are not your people. And it wasn't a way that rejected him, Mm-mm. but he said, look, you're going to be judged for the actions of your father here. He said, there, there, he said, and you'll a be fight. judged by doing nothing too. Yeah. He says, no matter what you do, you have no place here. The guys will run you out. He said, if somebody wants to say something to me, uh, they're welcome to say it to my face. He says, that's a pretty silly thing to say on a reservation. And he says, take my granddaughter, take my grandbaby, please, and, and head for the hills because you've got to stand with your, own, with your own here. And it's such an ancient fight. And the grandpa is like so kind of adjusted to it. It's like, it's like there's, he feels like, to me it communicates, hey, there's honorable men on both sides. He says, your father's going to be coming uh, for his cattle tonight. He is well within his right to do so. We're going to fight to keep them, and we are in our right to do so. And that's just the way it's going to go. And now we will fight about it. And he just lays it out that this is what happens. This is the way it goes. This is Mm -hmm. what will happen. This is a fight that's been going on for years and years and years. And here's just another skirmish during our kind of a time of a Cold War, it feels like. So kind of unrelated to that, but chronologically, I'd like to ask a question. I wrote it down and I thought it would be better explained through through this. Um, 
the chief at right before they had, you know, they were, he had shot, the grandfather had shot the buffalo, buffalo. like point blank almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chief says, look what you've reduced us to. And I just, I sat there and I'm like, I don't understand how he was the cause. Of, like, I don't, I don't understand the context for that statement. Uh, I didn't understand the, what appeared to be or sounded like a ceremonial thing of the killing of the buffalo. Okay. I don't know what that was. I don't understand okay. what so the action was because he said, look at this. He says some old man on his lame horse heading out there pretending like we still live the lives that we used to. They may well have been heading out to the buffalo to kill a buffalo okay. to eat it that night. And this mm-hmm. is the way we do it. Uh, and we're having grandpa do it. And he says to John, and this is really a, a very poignant scene that he has with John because this is the first time we've seen them together too. Absolutely. And this is sort of where we discuss, hey, uh, what's your... Because John says about the chief at one point in time, because he's a new chief, he says to the mayor, when she says, "What do I do I need to be worried about what's going on with the reservation right now? John, at some point, he says he grew up in Denver, went to a big university. Now he thinks like you. Mm-hmm. And I this, again, to me, the blending of cultures over the, you know, 150 years since the last time we saw a Western, right? This is what's happened since then. Uh, Denton mayor, new chief. Oh, here it is. Uh, Denton says to the mayor, the new chief is showing off for his voters. We've all done it. Mm-hmm. And he has this interesting sort of, there's this complex sort of appreciation for, all right, you just got to show off for his constituency. I get it. I've been there. I won't hold it against him. This doesn't mean war. And then they visit each other at the killing of the buffalo. And uh, this is where he's saying, uh, "Your if you act like a thief, I'm going to treat you like one. Yeah. Because the the chief is clearly a big instigator, and this we know from Grandpa. He's a big instigator of the thieving of the buffalo because he wants to start some shit. Uh, and he wants to look tough saying, we're not going to give them their buffalo back. Or no, I'm sorry, not the buffalo, the cattle. cattle. We're not going to give them the cattle back because they're on our land. This is reservation law. Our rules apply here. This is ours now. And he says, if you treat us like a thief, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you like one if you act like one. And then the chief says in response, you live in a piece of land the size of Rhode Island. And you want to talk about thievery in other words you stole our land and he says all right let's keep this conversation to cattle like i I don't have much to say about that yeah take your point we're talking about cattle right now yeah Uh, and then is when he says about the grandpa heading out to kill the buffalo and we pretend like we still live the the glorious uh, lifestyle we used to Mm -hmm. look what you've reduced us to and he's not blaming john dutton for it he's talking about the white man he's talking about people like john dutton who came in and stole their land from them murdered them humiliated them and sent them to basically what he feels like are concentration camps where they sent to reform natives into uh american citizens Failed to do so, and then just left him in the reservation forever, and now this is how they have to live. That explanation helps me enormously. I very much took it as a, John, look what you've reduced us to, not a, white men, you suck. This is what you've reduced yeah, us to. Yeah, a lot in that. There's a like, lot of resentment in that. And I, I get holding him, you know, as being the founder of that town, kind of responsible in some bigger, you know, I guess his family being the founders of that town, you know, being largely responsible for taking that away, but... He is not directly directly responsible, so I didn't understand that conflict. Right. I appreciate the well, context. Well, and you, you think, and I, you know, I won't speak for him, but yeah. uh, I wouldn't imagine that. I would imagine that that character might have some resentment resentment for you and I, just for being here and being white. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. but I don't think he looks at us and blames us necessarily. Sure. But he looks at but John privilege. Dutton. Yeah, he looks at John Dutton as a, a privileged, you know, white settler that came in, stole his land from them, and still has it and won't let them have, uh, you know, a piece of it back uh, and and uh, has done them dirty. So John Dutton is the, is the source of... Uh, of the hatred, not the source of the problem necessarily, but the source of his hatred is directed at a guy just like John Dutton. Absolutely. And now the land will be lost to developers and it'll never come back. That is upsetting. <laughs> All right. Um, I kind of want to talk about the, I mean, it was kind of a brief scene and I guess you kind of asked me to reflect on it. So maybe I'll lead this scene, but, um, when Thomas Rainwater, chief Thomas Rainwater goes over and wants to talk specifically, uh, to Casey, um, yeah. you know, and he just, he's trying to get a feel for who John is as a man. And I just, I really appreciated that he seems to really value honesty. And he said, you know, that that's pretty rare these days. Um, and he had specifically said, you know, to Casey, yes, to Casey, Casey had said something along the lines of, you know, he says what he wants, you know, he says what he's going to do and then he does it. If you consider that honesty, you know, and he's so like, he, I do. He asks, is your father honest, mm-hmm. right? Because he comes uh, in his Mercedes or his helicopter, whatever <laughs> he's on. He comes in and says, I need to talk to Casey. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then in this exchange asks about John Dutton, like know thine enemy, right? Yes. Okay. I'm trying to get a feel for him. Yeah. And so I, I thought it was. The reason I started feeling like maybe they may come to an understanding is he seemed to have a genuine respect for the honest manner in which he conducts himself. It may not be the actions he necessarily agrees with, but if, if you say you're going to do something and that's what you do, like there's there's some honor in that and that yeah. they can share in that honorability. Uh, I'm going to nerd out hardcore right now. Please. Um, that's what we're here for. <laughs> There is a classic, like really all-time classic, like top great Star Trek episode from the original series. <laughs> I should have known I was going this way. If I say I'm about to nerd out, I'm about to start. No, it, that's why I'm saying that should have been my cue. <laughs> that's yeah, the only miss thing. That? That's a, the only thing you confess to being a nerd what a on. Goober. So, <laughs> um, there is a very classic episode, and it's a it's a submarine battle between the Enterprise and uh, Romulan warbird, and the two adversaries. Never really see each other until the very end when Kirk bests the Romulan captain in mm-hmm. ship-to-ship combat, which is like ahead of its time in what they did technologically in this episode. And at the very end of it, and I can't remember the line, but the um, Romulan captain comes on the screen and basically says, hey, you got me. Like, you are really an impressively worthy <laughs> adversary. Yeah. And it's a really cool thing where there was this sort of respect between the two of them before the war bird explodes and everybody dies on the, you know, and the good guys win, the good guys prevail. (laughs) So here we're looking at, you know, a modern day peak TV drama Mm -hmm. and having this moment that reminds me of that great classic moment where these adversaries like respect each other, despite the fact that they are in every way adversaries. So for him to come to Casey and say, I need to know a thing or two about your father and says, okay, so he's kind of a dirty, rotten scoundrel, but he's an honorable man. He's an honest man. He does what he says he's going to do. Um, in that same scene is when he makes the lyric, he makes the, when he says the line, delivers the line that I really liked. He said, I'm a politician. Politicians are like crabs. We move sideways to go forward. In a way, almost like declaring, hey, my profession is one 
that's sort of not honest, yeah, sort of is smarty. dishonorable, and yet your father's an honorable man, and I'm going to appreciate going toe-to-toe with this guy that I can respect as a man, mm-hmm. is how I hear that, based on what you explained to me in that scene. Absolutely. So, uh, we're, I think this goes without saying. In our structure, in our review, does this show affect, does the pilot effectively introduce the audience to the characters? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I Big was, time. I do feel like they were, uh, I didn't get, it wasn't exposition heavy on names. We really had to work for names. I don't know that I'll fault them for it, but for the purposes of, I'm trying to take notes for a podcast, it was. <laughs> Did he say Monica once? I don't think he said Monica once. and I don't think he said Beth once. Like those are the two I had to look up for sure. Um, and then I had to double check, um, the rancher guy's name who, whose name I still keep forgetting. Rip. Rip. Because it's a weird name. It feels like it's got to be short for something. Um, Rip. I had to look his name up too. Riffendale. (laughs) (laughs) But he was, you know, referred to once and then you only hear it from, um, Beth, you know, right after post coital. (laughs) 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 Oh, and it does not seem nice. (laughs) Yeah, Rip sounds like a slam. Yeah. Rip, why it, does everybody keep calling me that? I kind of felt like it was a dig. <laughs> Gall. Um, does this pilot clearly establish the plot we can expect for the series? Yeah, and we did kind of lead with that, our three conflicts, which I feel like it laid no, out right. very totally. effectively. Um, like, I, I go through it knowing exactly what we should expect going forward, and I feel like... I actually predicted deadly dying before it happened that that had to be what brings um, Casey in back with the family that, you know, partly his copability in it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And second of all, just that, you know, his family needs help in the struggle. And, and he was, you know, he's he's possibly the person who's best suited for resolving the conflict, at least with the natives. Who is he? Casey. Casey. Um, well, I'm going to bring back to mm-hmm. the point that the show, the first four scenes of the show introduce us to the four main kids and we don't get any Lee. We get Lee later. Uh-huh. Lee, you know, ends up having plenty to do in this episode, Oh, absolutely! but in a very, very subtle way, it's maybe hinted that yeah, Lee's better. not that important to the overall story. Lee is, is less important. I shouldn't say that Lee is less important to to the series as a whole than these other four who get a lot more screen time. Yeah, I felt like he was... And a lot too, more dimension. Yeah. He was too closely aligned to the dad to stay. To me, it yeah. just... He He's didn't redundant. Add, yeah, he, he was a redundancy. And so, you know, his death would definitely have a lot of meaning being, you know, the golden boy, the one that in his father's eyes maybe was the most successful or most in the image that he would have liked to see. Yeah. Most manly, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, most, the closest copy to John, um, other than he's a little too romantic about ranching, cowboy life. And he's, yeah. and he's, he's, a li- he's just slightly inadequate as a cattleman at this point to be taken over the operation. That makes sense. And his best son, Beth... Doesn't like horses. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, there is something I did want to know more about Beth while we're on her. Um, There was a line she said. She says, penance you earn, closure you find. And that's in response to, I think, Casey saying that he was there for closure. Um, 
And I found that interesting because I, you know, obviously we don't know what she's doing penance for. Like what, why she would make that statement. Uh, you don't yet. But right. Foreshadowing to, yeah. to a deeper story, I guess. So I, it was a nice little piece laid in that I'm like, ooh, I want to know more about this. So this is one of our better pilots where, you know, in our review structure, does it clearly establish the plot we can expect for the series leads very nicely into the hook because mm-hmm. the hook clearly communicates to us, I think, two things happen in, in our hook at the end. Sure. Um, Casey shows the brand on his chest. Now, at this point, I don't know that it's clear, but I, I get the sense that you don't have a, a brand necessarily as, like, I don't think Beth has a brand. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of his penance. Something happened that he got sort of demoted to ranch hand. Sure and he did. became Casey. Right, but I think so. Beth said that she's there for penance. No, I understand what okay. you're saying. But she says that to Casey, right? Uh-huh. Well, I'm, I'm relating what you're saying to a different idea in, oh, the, okay. yeah, in the hook. He has a brand on his chest. Mm-hmm. And at this point in the show, I don't know what's clear to us as an audience. Do all of his sons have a brand on their chest? Does he have a brand on oh, his chest? Yeah. That's a good point. And I kind of get the sense that he had, he had been paying some penance himself. Uh, and that has something to do with the brand he wears, mm-hmm. uh, which they made a unique point of showing it, right? When he's like in the shower scene. Yeah. At the end where Monica, he won't talk to Monica. She's saying, hey, my brother died. I deserve to know what happened out there and that um, operation you guys led or your father led. Uh, we see the brand somewhere in there. I think the funeral happens next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John is sort of debriefing with his kids. He looks at Jamie, who just says to Beth a moment before, he never looks at me like he looks at Lee. He'll never look at me the way he looks at Lee. And she says, yeah, and he never will. <laughs> Like, you think maybe she's going to say something to... Soften it. Yeah, a little bit. And then just, boom. Ouch. (laughs) Zing. (laughs) Yeah. And then he says to him, hey, I'm going to really be relying on you now, Jamie. Like, it's going to be more important that you be here to do your job more so than ever. He's like, yeah, you got me, Dad. Like, of course I'm going to be here. And he looks at Beth and says, can you stay for a little while? And she says, I'm not going anywhere. Just tell me who to fight. And he says everyone so to your point we have a two-front war that's being fought now Mm -hmm. the development's coming in they need to defend their lifestyle from them and then you got a cold war that's heating up again now that there's a new chief in town uh and 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 these conflicts will be coming to a head across the season and then we have a really cool song that takes us out sends an interesting tone and you are left with i want to watch more or 110%. Like right. there are multiple points in the story where I'm like, I need to find out what happens here, here and here. And like, what was this about? And what was that about? Mm-hmm. And we're going to get more of this. And it wasn't one of those things where it's like, all right, well that was like, you know, <laughs> very, I don't know, vague. It wasn't vague. It felt very purposeful. Like you don't know the context for it, but you know that there is one that they're just letting you scratch the surface yeah. of. And I really like it. I would say that this is, not only a successful pilot, which is a gimme at this point. <laughs> yeah, uh, we led with that. <laughs> right. Uh, it's not only a successful pilot. This is maybe one of the best pilots that I've seen 
in a long time. And I, whenever I think about great pilots, I always think of Breaking Bad. And at one of these days, I might just need to admit to myself and say out loud that I think Breaking Bad is among the greatest pilots ever. But I don't want to sound like a standard white person going on about how great Breaking Bad is. I feel bad for saying when you and I watched it, I was like, Ugh, I remembered this being more interesting <laughs> Like, it lays it out, like, from an objective point of view, yes, it just wasn't as exciting for me as I'd hoped it would be. Well, I've seen it ten times now. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, let's <laughs> let's clarify something for our millions of listeners. Yes. Uh, we have not done a review on Breaking Bad Not yet. an official one. That was one of the ones that informed our, the structure, creation yeah. of our pilot. Structure, yeah. We did yeah. a couple practice rounds to make sure that our, uh, our structure made sense. Well, because How I Met Your Mother was our initial influence mm-hmm. uh, and then I think somewhere along the way I thought oh yeah that's a really solid pilot which is what you kept saying when you tried to explain for the 30th time what the gold standard was oh thank god we got rid of that <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> this is much simpler you don't want to know what the gold standard means to me just just I don't believe know it, what it means. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to know my opinion on it just you know, ask me in person. It's not going to go over well in text or Just anything else. It's complex. Wikipedia page. No, because you did. <laughs> Wait, my Wikipedia yeah. page? Oh. <laughs> Under Shmi. Okay. Oh, so, I need to make that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish somebody would get on it. All of our millions of <laughs> listeners. There's no wikis for us yet. Um, (laughs) so (laughs) uh, I still think Breaking Bad is a great pilot and then I watch this and I think you know what I think this is one of the great this is like a great piece of television it's really good I actually am really excited to bring it to Taylor's hey Ah. is this maybe the next thing we watch Taylor being my boyfriend and the person I binge most of the series with whether he's willing or not he you know kind of ends up doing it because we live in a hobbit hole when you can hear it from (laughs) any end of the house so (laughs) regardless of whether or not he wanted to be exposed to it he's he he does so i think this will be one he's excited about though it's got a lot of deep content it's it has some really good one-liners so it really keeps you engaged um and the characters just seem so well developed i'm pleased with the writing they just seem to know what they're doing with it Mm -hmm. very competent they knew not only do they know where they're going with it, or you get the sense that they know where they're going with it. Actually, anecdotal note on that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the after show, or whatever it is, like I said, I buy the season on iTunes, so I get a bunch of extras too. Oh, where, the, nice. where the bunkhouse boys discuss the show. And they're great, and they got a lot of uh, charisma and charm and chemistry between them, so you really enjoy hearing them just talk about the show. Oh, it's kind of like what we do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> But they, I don't know that they have as many uh, viewers as we have listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, but they, somebody asked Jimmy's character, or the Jimmy actor, they asked Jimmy if he knows, he said, oh yeah, I was talking to Beth about, the actress who plays Beth, about what happened between her and Jamie. And, uh, and they said, oh, like, did she tell you? Did she tell you? Like, does she know? He goes, yeah, she does know. And she told me and then like wasn't supposed to have told him because he wasn't supposed to know. And here they are talking about it on the show. Mm-hmm. Interesting point about this to me. You got these actors, the people who are partaking in the program, who work for, you know, the showrunners and producers. Who know that the producers have kind of the end game in mind, it sounds like. Yeah. 
and are just like we are sitting around thinking what happens next. Like, do you know the context of this? Does your character know? I mean, do you as an actress know what happened to make the character behave this way? So there is quite a thing that influenced her to hate uh, Jamie and horses. She hates Jamie? Well, I shouldn't say Jamie. I thought there was some just... Well, I, she's more manly than Jamie. Like that's all I took away from that. Whoops. <laughs> no, no, the conflict between her okay. and Jamie. The this the reason behind that cuz mm-hmm. remember we were talking about like, oh, that felt harsh. Like yeah, absolutely. do they like each other? Do they not like each other? Is this just sibling stuff because it seems pretty harsh or is this just Beth being Beth? Mm-hmm. So the reason for that coarseness because she's not coarse like that with Casey. She seems to generally be excited to see Casey. Because she hasn't seen him in a couple right. years. Right. It's been a couple years. You're kind of right. nice so, with the ones you haven't seen in a while. Yeah, the relationships. <laughs> well, I don't have any siblings, so I guess you, you, <laughs> I guess you have your own spin on what's going on here. <laughs> the, the point is that they know where the show is going, but not only that, they know where it's coming from. Like, these characters all feel pretty fleshed out and pretty realized. Yeah, I agree. I'm really impressed by it. Me too. I'm excited to see more. So, uh, before we conclude, we did discuss... Going, going through over. all of the quotes and make sure that we get them all. In in a little time, we know a lot about Chief Thomas Rainwater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we haven't gotten out of the twirly mustache villain aspect of the developer, um, Dan Jenkins. Dan Jenkins. Who also, we learn in that scene, uh, to whatever degree he was involved, or to whatever degree this was the intention, uh, was the cause of the car accident that killed the horse that almost killed Kevin Costner's character. And he says, you owe me a horse, you asshole, or something like that as he yeah. drives off. Uh, but yeah, that or else scene, he says, yeah, it'd make a lawsuit way easier for me, um, John. Tell yeah. me, tell me uh, that I can't build here or else. He says, you just get the or else. Yeah, thank you for giving context to it. I'm like, I just remember the or else, and I'm like, yeah, you tell him. Oh, yeah, he lays the law down real easy on that. Uh, Developer Dan, he says to John Dutton, Mm -hmm. Kevin Costner's character, this is progress because he's a transplant, right? He wants to make (laughs) this new place just like the place he came from. Yeah. Progress doesn't need your permission. And Dutton responds with, in this valley it does. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked that. It was like, yeah, nice try. Nice little rhetorical point you made. Also, fuck you. You're wrong about it. You don't know how things work here. Absolutely. Uh, and he says, with he says, every family that you're going to move in, another one's going to move out. And Dan says, with every winner, there's a loser. And he says, um, there's the first thing that we agree on. In mm-hmm. other words, you and I are direct competition. Absolutely. And, and one of us is going to win, and that means one of us is going to lose and bite it big time. Absolutely. And, you know, it was really nice when he had the realization that the dynamite just diverted the river and that they no longer have that going through the development, which was kind of a big deal for them. Oh, big time. That was a big loss. He looked pretty devastated by it. Oh, super (laughs) devastated. It was great. It's like, oh, shouldn't have killed his horse. Uh, Now, that actually brings me to what I thought was among the top two most important lines thematically Mm -hmm. in the whole show uh and i would say the most important line in the show which is uh jamie is telling his dad you really should can he said i told these developers no in the imminent domain battle Mm -hmm. in front of the you know committee yeah or the council Mm -hmm. he said i told him no and he's like bothered that his dad thinks he's too soft like he like you're uh 
you got to stop thinking like a lawyer and start thinking like a landowner because if you don't, a lawyer is all you're ever going to be, which is something most people would aspire to. And here uh-huh. he's saying, you're a lawyer, which is I what I've manufactured you to be. Also, I'm not impressed by it. <laughs> you're being trained to support and run the empire and you're a wimp and you got girly hands just like your mom. And, but you're good at sewing, which was his wound back together on his forehead yeah, <laughs> which is stitches. really a worthwhile skill it shows you must you know have some worldliness to him jamie that is that uh jamie says look i told him no as he's walking to the helicopter and he's shouting over the whirring of the helicopter blades mm-hmm. he says i told them no but you should think about it because selling these thirty thousand acres and and selling the lumber gives you money it gives you influence it gives you leverage leverage and, and yeah and here's the line that i think is the line that totally conveys everything you need to know about his character and everything you need to know about the plot and themes of Yellowstone. He says, leverage, and this is John Dutton to Jamie, mm-hmm. leverage is knowing if somebody had all the money in the world, this is what they'd buy. That was such a powerful line Absolutely. to me. That's the whole show right in that line. 100%. And, the, and as the world is, is turning on him, you know, the old wars are heating up again and, and the developers are just going to keep coming and they're just, he's always going to be in a battle for it because it is the most valuable thing in the world. Absolutely. Okay. So that was uh, my favorite. That was my biggest line. And the other one I already read was uh, the grandpa saying to Jamie, you got to stand with your people. Is yeah. The only other kind of minor line that I'd like to point out, um, and I don't have like a full on quote, um, but it was when Casey's wife, Monica, was talking to Casey and they were talking about, um, you know, Casey was like, oh, you know, my dad came by because he wants to know his grandson, Tate. Um, He's like, you know, that's all he wants. I I think we could probably do that. Right. You know, and she basically says, you know, eventually we're going to be in these shoes. Like eventually Tate will move away and we will just get we'll bits just, and pieces. We'll just of get him. bits and pieces. And he just says, <laughs> how could you say something to me? Like, like so that, that is hurt. the meanest thing you've ever That's said exactly to me. The meanest thing you ever said to me. I know, but, baby, it, but it's true. I know, baby. But yeah. And I really appreciated her sense of fairness that like she had, despite obviously not being a fan, like, you know, only the only thing you really know about her is that she's not a fan of John. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from her being Tate's, you know, Tate's mother and, you know, she she is very she fair. Hates her, she hates her in-laws. She, I mean, that's that's not a new position to take. But <laughs> No, I mean, is it how complex is it? How simple is it? I'm not yeah. sure. Like, she's oh, sure. native. She's got a she's got a, a bone to pick with John and his mm-hmm. mere existence. And yet she's with the son. So it's not like she's a just flat out racist. Yeah. She's got some like problems with John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then you see him with his brand on his chest at the end. So is the reason that she hates John actually because, you know, late at nights and the whispered conversations and in in bed that that they talk about you know some of the weird stuff that that dad put him through but there's a point where uh where john dutton asks casey he said i just want to have a relationship with my grandson is that Mm -hmm. too much to ask and he says you always ask too much and that ends the conversation until this scene that we're talking about Mm -hmm. but you know is the reason she hates him because she doesn't like the way he's treated Casey. She doesn't I like to so. see that brand. Like, is it just family? Is it just 
my in-laws a difficult personality and he casts a big shadow or is it is it more than that is it historical is it political is it all of them i don't know i i kind of tend to think that the biggest problem she has with him is he he doesn't he's unloving to his family yeah because he's all business and he runs his family like a business and she's seemingly a very compassionate woman no, she's all heart and she's all love. I think they establish she's yeah they establish she's a teacher. She teaches at the reservation school. Oh, I did miss that. So thank you. Because she talks about to her sister in law, she says you gave him a D. He's your nephew. Like give him a freebie. <laughs> she says the D was a gift. <laughs> well, math's not his strong suit. Yeah, I don't care. Like I gotta stick. Like I gotta stick with the truth. I gotta stick with what's right. I one hundred percent miss that. So thank you. That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and that would be. I mean, that is an all giving kind of job. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another line, um, I'm going through and I'm crossing out the ones that I know that we've already talked about. Um, but there was this one I thought was interesting. This is when John and Casey are talking and they're talking, this is the scene that they have where he's saying, I'd like to have a relationship with my grandson where he drops the rifle and Tate comes around and he goes, is this for me? And it's like, okay, he's stashing little gifts <laughs> and country gifts for him. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, and of course it is for him. Uh, cause he go, he's going somewhere. John is in his truck mm-hmm. in his, uh, big, uh, dually Ram. Uh, and he's got a raf- rifle with him or a shotgun, but I think it was a rifle. And we don't really see, we kind of are onto the next scene and it's like, Oh, what was he heading to with that? I didn't put that together yeah. at first. Like, Oh, there's this conflict. He's going somewhere to kill somebody. And he's actually just going to drop off a rifle for his grandson to quietly uncover and assume. But in that scene, he says to Casey, he says, you don't want to be on the wrong side of this mm-hmm. about the cattle dispute. And Casey said, I didn't realize there was sides. And like, why do you make me pick? But I thought the wrong side, it's, it was like a classic Cowboys and Indians theme. Yeah. Well, and I didn't have context for it at that time. So I didn't know if I agreed with him or not. But I can totally understand why he would feel that way, especially since him being on, quote unquote, the wrong side Mm -hmm. did directly result in Lee's death. Like, totally. If he hadn't caused things to not go according to plan because he was the wild card in this. I mean, it's very possible Lee would still be alive. Well, actually, you hit on something, too, that I realized was such a fundamental point that we didn't discuss he says about, toward the end, after the operation goes badly, Lee dies. I don't think he knows Lee's dead at this point. No, he wouldn't at this point. Lee's dead. The brother's dead. It was ugly. John tried to abort this operation as soon as he realized that it was kind of an ambush. Everybody's waiting for him, heavily armed. They start shooting at the helicopter. Like, they are probably... That was a startling scene. Yeah. He's and I didn't really really remember how unprepared he was. Not that he was unprepared, like everybody's armed, but he was unprepared for how ugly this was going to get, and he was unaccepting of how ugly it was going to get, which I didn't realize, and I really appreciated realizing that he had a problem with how violent this was about to get. Says we got to get out of here, and only continued with it because it was already too far gone, and then was saying we got to push him back, like we got to basically we got to now we've just created this situation. The trucks are coming in. Like we could just fly off in our helicopter, but you got guys on horses, you got mm-hmm. guys on on the road, you got the, the reservation police coming in now, um, yeah. and it's like it's it's too it's too far gone. So now we got to fully commit and try to clean this up. Yeah. It, and then we learn when he says later they're watching the news and he's telling Jamie turn that down. He said, "I can't believe I didn't see this coming." And his son says, "Well, you couldn't have known that rainwater was going to want." the uh, cattle that bad he said he didn't want the cattle he wanted this now here it is 
Rainwater didn't want the cattle. He wanted this, and that was referring to... The mayhem. Uh, yeah, he wanted there to be a violent incident that cost lives because he had the senator still, re- you know, seeing, taking a tour of the reservation. The senator is in his office while this hits the news, and he's buttering her up for this event that costs lives. So, so the rainwater just gambled with the lives, and he sits there looking very confident as the senator says to him, "You will have my full attention, like in on a yeah. national level. I will bring this before the Senate. Everybody's going to know what happened here." That was the that was the angle. That was the manipulation. And and you, I had looked away from the screen to write my notes, but you pointed out like, hey, he is smirking over this. Yeah. This was very much exactly how he planned it. Yeah, and it was really subtle. I got to give s- such compliments to him too as an actor. It reminded me of Jon Snow heading in the very end of Game of Thrones, heading north of the Wall to go basically assume his really the role that makes sense to him of being the king of the North. And there's wow, a very, spoilers. very subtle, <laughs> there's a very, very subtle, uh, like hint of sort of gratitude and confidence on his face as he rides off on the horse that I feel like a lot of people miss, but that's, oh, I missed it until you, you like literally skip to that scene and it's like, look, it's a smirk. And I'm like, mm, play it back. It's, I don't think it's a smirk. And we sat there and analyzed it and you're like, oh yeah, no, it's really subtle. So subtle. There was not a clear smirk, but there was a sort of intentionality in his body language that said, I'm going to go ahead north of the wall and find a honey again. And Live it up as the king of the north, and these are my people. Mm-hmm. That's how I re- interpreted it, and it was a very subtle thing that he did, did as an actor, or I just made it up in my head. But similarly, the scene with Rainwater where he sits looking confidently, there was no smirk. He wasn't that that openly devious about it, but there, yeah. was, there was a look of just tremendous confidence and satisfaction in the, in the coup that he had just pulled off very yeah. impressively, and he had totally outmaneuvered John Dutton. Oh, I'm excited. I definitely um, will be binging this at some point. As soon as I really want to bite the bullet and find something else Paramount has probably because ugh, I don't want to have a streaming service for one show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Peacock. Go to Peacock. It's Peacock. free. Mm, you have to oh, watch commercials. Sucker. What? <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. Or spend $20 and buy it on whatever. Is Peacock TV free? You have. Mm-hmm. Ooh, That's how your stepdad ah. watches it. Well, there you go. I didn't know. Drew, well. you have a one up on me. I didn't know. <laughs> Why aren't you telling me about these things? Drew, educate her on this. <sighs> okay. <laughs> they usually point me to good TV anyway, so. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, we said about as much as we could say on that. Oh, yeah. And I'm super stoked to watch like the last four episodes of season three now <laughs> and finish it and be all crabby that I'm finished with it <laughs> <laughs> so it goes man I got a year to wait around <laughs> i think in the off time uh beth's character rip's character those are the ones that like that i want to see the most like what's going on now mm-hmm. jimmy i love knowing what's going on with jimmy um which is funny these are all the characters who got probably the very least in the pilot. yeah i know and something about uh John Dutton, as good as he is in this, what I love about the show is the ensemble. The ensemble is very strong. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, you know, he is obviously the tentpole lead of the series for obvious reasons. Yeah. But he's not the only great thing in it. And it's not all about him all the time. And it doesn't need to be because everybody else in it is so strong. All the other storylines are so strong. Anyway, I'm excited for you. 
<laughs> Thanks. I am too. <laughs> Very excited. Okay. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week when we review some other thing. This is Violet's.